it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Well, I'm excited to be filling in for Brian today. My name is Joe Kelly, and we're coming to you live from the Florida Freedom Zone, where we had probably the best 2021 ever here in Florida with 118 million Americans visiting Florida, the highest number of domestic travelers in the history of this state, all during a pandemic. Uh, We had a phenomenal year last year. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later. My name is Joe Kelly, and I am with uh, Brian's flagship radio station in Orlando, WDBO, and I'll be filling in for Brian today. You can join the show at 866-408-7669. You get details, of course, when you go to briankilmeadshow.com. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, talking a little bit of Russia here as Thomas Graham is going to join us. He is a distinguished fellow, the Council on Foreign Relations, co-founder of the Russia. Eastern, uh, Eastern European and Euro-Asian Studies programs at Yale University. Uh, Thomas, thanks for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Glad to be with you this morning. We have been hearing the warnings, and each day, you know, we wake up and, and, and think, well, has the border been breached? Have, has the, have the Russian troops invaded Ukraine yet? What is, what is the latest there? Well, you know, it is a tense situation along the border. There are 150,000 troops Russian troops surrounding Ukraine at this uh, at this point. Uh, there have been some skirmishes between uh, Ukrainian forces and separatist forces in the eastern part of Ukraine. Um, that has raised uh, anxieties and tensions in that part of the world. Uh, the United States, you know, the the administration is saying that a Russian invasion, a major invasion, could occur anytime in the near future. And we had a very tense, contentious session at the U.N. Security Council yesterday where the United States uh, and, uh, and Russia traded arguments over who's to blame for the situation in Ukraine. So it's a tense situation. That said, there's still a diplomatic track. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, is scheduled to meet with the Russian foreign minister uh, somewhere in Europe next week uh, to see whether we can find a diplomatic resolution to this, this ongoing crisis. One of the things that has really interested me is is the reference to false flag events. You know, there was a time in which false flag events were were just the domain of the conspiracy theorists, and and now we're talking about it like it's just part of how you do war or how you do foreign relations. I mean, can you kind of address the the the, the false flag notions? Well, you know that information now has become a very important part of. Um, of, uh, of international relations and foreign affairs, and each side tries to control the narrative, uh, to put on the, the uh, you know the most positive spin it can on what it's trying to do, and uh, negative spin on what the other side is trying to do. Uh, the United States is concerned about false flag operations because they believe that Russia will create provocations uh, that will uh, serve as a pretext for the launch of a military uh, operation into. 
uh, into Ukraine. By the same token, the Russians are claiming that the Ukrainians themselves may engage in provocation. That is stage attacks um, that make it look like they've been attacked uh, as a reason for them to use military force. Uh, so all of this, I think, is really an effort to try to control uh, the, the narrative uh, and to cast the blame on the other side if a major military uh, conflict breaks out. We're talking to Thomas Graham here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Thomas is with the Council on Foreign Relations. And, of course, we're talking about Ukraine and and Russia. Um, what is the end game for Vladimir Putin? I mean, here's a guy who has named himself effectively president for life. And it, the, just the audacity in, in 2022 with the whole world watching, you're playing these kind of games. I mean, you're playing with fire here. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, just a couple of things here. Uh, first, uh, you know, Russia doesn't like to be ignored on the international stage. So certainly uh, Putin, I think, um, is very appreciative of the attention he's getting at this point with Western leaders traveling to Moscow to uh, to negotiate with them to see if they can find a way to defuse this crisis. Uh, but second, there's a larger issue that's at play here for, for Putin, I think, for Russia uh, as well, and that is that they are dissatisfied with the security arrangements in Europe uh, that were uh, developed 30 years ago at the end of the Cold War. Uh, they believe at a time when Russia was weak and therefore Russian weakness was exploited. Uh, and now uh, that they've regained some of their strength, they see a significant amount of disarray uh, in the West, uh, certainly in, in, in Europe, uh, they're trying to, in a sense, revise that Cold War settlement uh, uh, to, to their advantage. Uh, to give some context here, I want to play a cut from Joe Biden at the White House uh, talking about the threat of a Russian invasion being very high. Cut one. How high is the threat of a Russian invasion right now? It's very high. They have not moved any of their troops out. They've moved more troops in, number one. Number two, we have reason to believe that they are engaged in a false flag operation. They have an excuse to go in. Now, Thomas Graham, uh, the the president has made clear that U.S. troops are not going to be sent into Ukraine. That's right. Uh, Remember, Ukraine is not a NATO ally. The United States has no obligation to defend uh, Ukraine. We do have an obligation uh, under NATO to defend those uh, members, and these are many countries in Eastern Europe that border on uh, border on Russia, but uh, not Ukraine. So, what the president is trying to do, what the administration is trying to do, is to use other means uh, to do what we call deterrence, uh, to raise the the possible cost of a military uh, operation by the Russians that would outweigh any possible gain. And we're doing that through threats of sanctions, economic sanctions against their banking systems. Uh, against some of the high technology companies. Uh, we were doing that by sending a small number of American troops uh, to countries in eastern Ukraine to reassure those allies that we will, in fact, defend them if they're attacked, uh, but also to persuade Moscow that uh, even if it goes into Ukraine, uh, it should not consider extending any military operation beyond that into NATO territory. Thomas, can you address the the timing of it all for us? Uh, the the Olympic Games wrap up this weekend. I believe the closing ceremonies are Sunday. I mean, do do, do the Olympics play into this scenario with Russia and Ukraine? Uh, to, to some extent, although uh, I think it's been exaggerated in some of the commentary. Uh, there is a view that 
uh, Putin would not launch a major military operation during the Olympics because the Olympics are so important to Chinese President Xi Jinping. Uh, you know, China on the international stage, uh, and China doesn't want uh, anything to detract attention from that. Uh, and there has been a fairly close relationship between Russia and China that has built up over the past several years. Uh, Russia depends on, on China for diplomatic support. It will depend on it for economic support uh, if the United States and its allies levy uh, certain sanctions. So uh, the thinking is that he wouldn't mar the Olympics, but after the Olympics are concluded, then all bets are off. Uh, then he could uh, use his military force in a very provocative fashion. So Monday, you're saying? Well, that's what the thinking is. <laughs> right. you know, that, well, but look, um, uh, I'm not an alarmist on this. I think there is a possibility of that. But there are a few other things to, to bear in mind. Uh, that is, uh, you know, the cost of any type of uh, war are quite great. Uh, you run tremendous risk. Uh, once you start a war, it's not clear how it's going to end. Uh, and second, uh, you know, the Kremlin has done nothing to prepare the Russian population for a, a major a major conflict. And one of the things that you would want to do if you're contemplating something like this is assure that you have uh, popular backing. Uh, if you if you don't do that, then uh, you risk a, a reaction of some sort when uh, you know Russian soldiers are killed uh, and Russians don't understand clearly why you have launched a military operation. Lastly, for you, Thomas Graham, and again, thanks for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, if if not the United States, then who? I mean, who 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 are our allies that could lead this effort to to do whatever needs to be done to keep Russia from invading Ukraine or or getting Russia out of Ukraine as quickly as possible? Well, you know, I think here the United States is indis- indispensable. There's really no other country that could lead this operation. Uh, we have the, the military capabilities. We have the intelligence capabilities. Uh, that don't compare with those of our, of our European allies. Uh, Germany, France are big countries, uh, but not nearly as capable as we are. Uh, so in the absence of American leadership, you would see an even greater disarray uh, in Europe, uh, and that would be an incentive for Russia to act more aggressively. So let me just end by saying that you know the United States has done a tremendous effort over the past uh, few months in rallying uh, it's our NATO allies, our partners in Europe, uh, to a sort of unified front uh, against Russia. And that uh, has to weigh on the way the Kremlin is thinking about what its next steps might be. Thomas Graham, thank you so much, a fellow from the Council on the Foreign Relations. Thomas Graham joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you so much, and have a nice President's Day weekend, would you please? Yeah, thank you. Good night. Thank you very much. You can join us here uh, on The Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. And we'll take some of your phone calls coming up straight ahead. If you want to jump into the phone lines, you can do so now at 866-408-7669. Also, we're going to get to some Hillary Clinton coming up in the in the next few minutes as well as Hillary is is boy definitely sounds like she's beating a drum to uh, throw her candidacy uh, in once again. We'll get into that coming up in a few minutes. I'm Joe Kelly. You are listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade here in Orlando, Florida, which, by the way, uh, this weekend is going to be the Daytona 500. Uh, uh, If you're not familiar with how Florida works, Daytona Beach is uh, just uh, just, uh, 45 minutes or so to the northeast of the Orlando area. And uh, plenty of people are going to be here in Orlando this weekend for the Daytona 500. And then just announced... Uh, that Paul McCartney, literally as I went on the air here hosting for Brian today, they announced that Paul McCartney is coming to Camping World Stadium, which is uh, our former Citrus Bowl here in Orlando. He's going to be here May 28th. So if you're planning a trip to Florida, May 28th, Paul McCartney is going to be live in concert. All right, let's jump to the phones here at 866-408-7669. Patrick in Pennsylvania. Nice alliteration. You're up first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Joe. Thank you for taking my call. So my question is that, like just a moment ago, you were saying, if we don't stand up to Russia, who's going to? A couple of days ago, Brian Kamid was saying, we need to stand up. We need to show him who's in charge. I think this thinking is very concerning. What the potential could happen with standing up to Russia, it can lead into a nuclear war. How would the United States feel if uh, Russia had troops, say, in Mexico, or if they came back to Cuba, like, will we be, like, okay with it? I don't think Putin is asking too much. I think he's just saying, listen, we don't want Ukraine to be part of NATO. And this this thing that you guys are propagating, and I'm neither a Republican or Democrat, it's very frightening. Like, what could potentially happen? We're not standing up to Syria or Iraq. We're standing up to Russia. I just want to get that point across. Right. But, Patrick, you, you understand that that as we heard uh, our guest Thomas Graham mention, I mean, and as, as I said, if not us, then who? And I don't think anybody, I don't think there's a single person in America that wants to get into a land war with Russia. Uh, but uh, do we just stand by and, and allow them to invade sovereign borders and sovereign nations uh, with, without so much as, as pushback? I understand, but the United States has done that repeatedly in the Middle East. Whatever time we want to go to war, we pick a fight with Iraq or Iran or Syria. So we do that with impunity. And all Russia's saying is, listen, you know, maybe they're being aggressive. Obviously, Putin's not a nice guy, but is it worth it? Do we need to stand up? We can't even protect our own border. Yeah, we want to send our military 10,000 miles away. No, 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 but, but, but no one is saying that. No one is saying sending our military 10,000 miles away or whatever it was you just said. No, no one is saying that. I mean, they're, they're, in fact, President Biden has made clear he's not going to send troops. In fact, almost dangerously saying he's not going to send troops. I mean, he's taken the most effective weapon off the table, and that is putting troops in Ukraine. So do you think it's a good idea to send 3,000 troops to Poland just to position them there near this area? Like what? What good is it going to come from it? Like, well, three thousand certainly three thousand troops compared to the hundreds of thousands of Russian forces is inconsequential. 
other than it being simply a, a show of force and, uh, you know, just having a U.S. presence, which means now we have a U.S. interest. I mean, what one has to ask, what is the U.S. interest in Ukraine? And I would say our, our first and foremost interest is the preservation of our own soldiers' lives and not putting them in harm's way. And I think you would agree with that, yes? I, I, I don't agree with how you're, you're, you're propagating this. I think it's very frightening. We don't need to put our soldiers there. We don't need to be involved in this. We could do it with, with uh, embargoes. We could do it with other ways, but we don't need to have our troops there. And by, by saying we do, it sends a statement to Russia. It's very frightening. Russia's not concerned about 3,000 troops. No. You're right. But the potential that this has could be catastrophic. And here individuals are like, oh, we need to do this. We need to stand up. I don't see why. I don't see why, considering the consequences. I mean, we're talking about the obliteration if this goes to war of the United States. I mean, is it worth it? Is this some country fighting a war, which they've been doing for 100 years, really worth it? Is it worth our U.S. soldiers? I, I think not. Yeah, Patrick, I understand. Thank you for your call, Patrick. And I totally understand that level of of compassion you have for our U.S. soldiers. And I don't think there's any one of us that wants to see our soldiers over there getting involved in in deadly conflict with Russia over Ukraine. No doubt about that. Let's go to Jim in Portland, Oregon, tuning in to Freedom 970. Jim, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Oh, thank you, Joe. I, um, uh, you, you know, if a war did break out, I, I think Russia would uh, invade and occupy successfully. But in World War II, we... Uh, 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 supplied um, underground, the French underground, the Yugoslavian partisan underground, and uh, <clears throat> the Vietnamese and French occupied Indochina with, uh, I suppose, explosives, small arms, stuff like that. I think uh, it ought to be part of our policy to make the Russian occupation of Ukraine as difficult as possible. And when these casualty rates begin to uh, Go back to Russia, you know, and people are aware of it. Maybe they think twice. Ukrainians would be fighting their own battle. I suppose uh, the Hague and Geneva Conventions don't protect partisans. But, it, um, you know, if they wanted this war, if they wanted this war and they wanted this occupation, you know, they could uh, be dealing with a, a formidable underground. I, I think we ought to think in those terms. Well, and I think I think that's exactly right. And that goes back, Jim, to, you know, why 3,000 U.S. troops? I mean, 3,000 U.S. troops is not enough to stave off the, the Russian army, but it is enough to put a presence on the ground there uh, so that we can help facilitate some, some underground, uh, you know, back-channel measures that make life more difficult for Russia. And I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. It, I mean, to make that occupation really difficult, uh, very unpopular in Russia, too. I, I think your guest said that. I mean, if the, you know, what if the Russian population isn't prepared for news coming back like this? You know, it, uh, do you remember the Falkland War? You know, <laughs> that Argentine government wanted to be popular in Argentina because they were I very do, unpopular. I got I to gotta let you go. We're up on a hard break. Speaking of which, that was one of the clues last night on Jeopardy. I'll have you know, and I got that one right. The Falkland Wars was on uh, was on Jeopardy last night. My name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll continue with more of your calls coming up. Stay with us. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. If Trudeau uh, freezes any supporters or truck drivers' bank accounts, he'll be harming and attacking Canadian families. 
across Canada and from every nationality. My wife, my 13 children, my dog, cat, and 15 chickens will not be able to pay the hydro, the, the heat bills, and won't be able to get groceries. He's not just, he's not going after the truck drivers, but he's going after Canadian families. And that's pretty concerning that nobody else is calling him out on this. And the media here in Canada is quietly this as, as something that needs to be done. It's very concerning. That is uh, a truck driver. His name is Harold Yonker. He was uh, on with Hannity and, of course, talking about the convoy of freedom truckers across Canada. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe. If you're looking for me on social media, you can uh, call in right now at 866-408-7669. And uh, joining us now is Liz Peak. She's a Fox News contributor, columnist for foxnews.com and The Hill. Liz, I'm so glad you're joining me here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, I'm delighted to join you. Thanks for having me on. And I, you know, I look up in Canada, and when when the trucker convoy protest first got started, there was a part of me that was like, "Hey, this is cool. The Canadians are, are becoming more like Americans, and they're rallying and they're taking to the streets." Uh, but there is a, such a key difference because when Americans took to the streets last summer, we burned a whole lot of things and caused a whole <laughs> lot of damage. But those truckers aren't. They're not burning things and causing damage, and and yet. Uh, in some people's eyes, they, they are the devil. I mean, they're, they're, they are what's wrong with Canada. Well, it's pretty obvious that Justin Trudeau was scared of them. After all, he didn't meet with them. He never walked outside and sat down with these guys and said, what are your grievances? Let's talk this out, which might have diffused the entire thing two weeks ago. Instead, Hang on, Liz. We're having some challenges hearing you. We're going to put you on hold and and uh, get you right back, and we'll talk with Liz Peak, Fox News contributor. But in the meantime, you can join me at 866-408-7669. Can I can, let me let's take Jay on line one here first while we get Liz back on with us. Jay, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show with Joe Kelly. How are you? Hey, not bad. How about you? Very good. Thanks. Just calling calling in about the freedom truckers in Canada. I think their mistake was they're not flying Black Lives Matter flags hmm. because if they flew them, they'd be peaceful protesters. Well, for what it's worth, they they can certainly go out. I know you're 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 speaking in hyperbole, but they can certainly go out and buy some Black Lives Matter flags and 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 wave those flags as well. But it but it is it's frustrating, is it not, Jay? That that how they're being vilified these truck drivers. Yeah, right off the bat, they were called racist and and stuff, and and they're in, you know they're called terrorists now, domestic terrorists, and they're not doing anything but sitting there protesting. Now, there, there is said to be, Jay, a similar protest that's going to be coming to the United States. It's supposed to start in, in Barstow, California, and make its way all the way east to Washington, D.C. Are you a truck driver? No, I'm not, but I have family that is. And, and, and do you hear anybody talking about an, an American convoy? I've heard of it, but I'm not sure, you know, if it's going to go or not. Um, I, I think they should, and I think... I think really the bikers in America should join with them and then start joining with them and pushing back against these dictators. Yeah, uh, Justin Trudeau, as we were just talking, had an opportunity to to address this and to deal with it. Uh, but at this point, it's it's just not going anywhere, uh, which, frankly, 
Uh, that was the point of the of the movement was a lack of movement, right? To to block things down, to stop things down, so that their grievances could be heard. Right, exactly. And nobody wants to talk, but everybody wants to label them, and it's and it's it's hypocritical. Very hypocritical. Jay, thank you so much. I appreciate you calling in to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I do believe we have Liz back with us, Liz Peak, And uh, we were talking about Justin Trudeau and his, his reluctance to meet with the truck drivers. He could have, he could have uh, handled this long before it got out of control. A- absolutely. And instead, what, he, what did he do? He tagged them as right-wing extremists uh, and, and basically refused to even acknowledge their case. And here's the case. Eighty-five percent of those truckers are already vaccinated. They spend most of the day alone in their cabs. And by the way, the other thing Justin Trudeau could have done, he could have just dropped the vaccine mandates or postponed the enactment of the mandates. My guess is that would have caused these truckers to go home as well. He has handled it so poorly, but it comes from a place of basically being very fearful of people seeking freedom, seeking freedom of speech, etc. And I think even though Canada is obviously divided on whether or not they, they want this trucker protest to go home, the truth is it's been peaceful. Thousands of people came out to cheer them on. And again, what did the officials do? They made it illegal to go and stand on a highway and wave in a Canadian flag to cheer them on. I mean, it was really, it was an incredible sort of, uh, you know, Xi Jinping kind of crackdown for no reason whatsoever. And then so on the issue of crackdown, uh, address GoFundMe and social media and how they have been dealing yeah. with the, this, uh, the, the Freedom Convoy. Well, look, it's pretty similar to the kind of crackdown that Facebook and other media giants uh, have enabled in the United States against political enemies of Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. I mean, they use their giant power, in this case, the idea that GoFundMe would effectively threaten to steal the millions of dollars that people had contributed to feed and house these truckers because they believed in their cause. I mean, it seems criminal to me. Uh, they did back down on that. And they were they were talking about taking the money and diverting it to other causes. And then they agreed that, OK, uh, you know, we'll refund it to the people who gave it. But now they're talking about doxing people, uh, putting them on lists so they can't fly on airplanes. I mean, it's really, in- I think it's insane. And these are normal, average citizens. There have not been widespread arrests. I gather today they began arresting the truckers, but there's been no looting, no burning of buildings, no violence against anybody. These are truly peaceful protests, as opposed to the BLM protests last year, these actually are peaceful, and yet they are being squashed by what turns out to be the Canadian version of an authoritarian regime. It's pretty astonishing. Liz, what do you hear about a similar effort here in the United States? Well, I think there will be, there are now supposedly three different groups trying to uh, get convoys started, one to go the southern route, uh, all ending up in D.C., different routes, different groups. But I think that it, was, it will also be met with hysteria on the part of the Democratic left. It'll be likened to January 6th. It'll be called an insurrection or something. But my guess is, if you get some of these trucker convoys going across the United States waving American flags, talking about freedom. People are so fed up, Joe, with the COVID restrictions that make no sense, that are not grounded in science, that appear to be the whimsical, again, authoritarian measures 
taken by a very fearful government, I think you're going to see a lot of support for these truckers. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Joe Biden pretends to be the champion of the little guy. These are the little guys. These are the people he's supposed to protect and be on the side of. The Teamsters Union came out big for Joe Biden's uh, campaign. They put in a lot of money, a lot of man hours, et cetera. This is the moment where Joe Biden could help out the people who actually are part of that union. But the irony is he doesn't care about the workers. He cares about the union bosses who are funneling tens of millions of dollars to his campaign. I think it is such an incredibly blatant uh, sort of hypocrisy that I, I think an awful lot of Americans are just sick of it. We're talking to Fox News contributor Liz Peek here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly in for Brian today. Broadcasting here in the Florida Freedom Zone of Orlando. we got the Daytona 500 this weekend. A lot of exciting things happening here in Florida. And, and we've, we've enjoyed so much freedom and liberty here during this pandemic. And I don't want to sound like uh, I'm, I'm with the, the, the Florida Tourism Department, but we had 118 million Americans visit Florida last year. That was our highest number of domestic travelers in the history of the state of Florida. We had the biggest numbers ever in 2021 because of our red state freedoms, because, I mean, people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came to vacation <laughs> in South Florida to enjoy the Florida Freedom Zone to get away from the, the, the blue state craziness. Yes. Uh, and guess where I'm right now? <laughs> Are you in Florida? I'm in Florida, too. Oh, yes, good. I am. Uh, and by the way, I wasn't here more than about 10 minutes. I ran into at least. 20 New Yorkers who are here, too. The truth is, and by the way, remember the rumors, and I've had people down here confirm it, that Nancy Pelosi's bought a house down here. How, why wouldn't she? The taxes in California, New Jersey, New York, they are driving people out. And the fact that these Democrat legislators don't understand that, it, it really is a shocking thing. But they are losing. They are losing this battle. They're losing seats in the House of Representatives. They're losing money. They're losing people. Uh, you would think that they would begin to learn a thing or two from the states that have done so well. Well, and Liz, and, I, and, and you, you touched on it a little bit a little while ago, but with the blue states that have been dropping their mask mandates, they've been dropping all these other rules and restrictions so rapidly. And, and you, you sit back and think, well, wait a minute, is this is this the science? Are we following the science or are we following political science? I mean, is this just changing political realities or is this changing medical realities? Well, I, I don't know if you heard Rachel Walensky, the head of the CDC, dancing around the whole issue of mask policy. She doesn't want to change mask policy, even as she recognizes that pol- politicians across the country think uh, are, are changing it without, the, without her guidance because they have to, because voters are basically saying, enough, we're tired of this. Imagine being, really, I'm almost sympathetic with a Democrat running for office in this cycle because you have Joe Biden at the head, whose approval ratings, honestly, I don't know about you, they've shocked me. I mean, I really didn't think it would be so bad so quickly. Uh, Policies that are hurting everyday Americans on all fronts, whether it's energy prices or uh, the, the cost of rents, the cost of uh, mortgages going up, et cetera. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. So right now, the only thing you apparently, Ron Klain, the uh, president's right-hand man in the White House, chief of staff, 
went to the Senate uh, Democrat caucus and said, don't worry, things are going to get better. And Joe Biden is going to give an inspiring uh, State of the Union speech about how he, his successful policies against COVID. Well, right now, it's exactly those COVID policies that are under the gun that are causing things like freedom convoys trucking across the United States and, and the deposing of uh, people running our schools. It, it caused Glenn Youngkin's victory in Virginia. They really must be out of their minds not to move on this. Liz Peek is uh, joining us, Fox News contributor for foxnews.com and The Hill. You'll find her at Liz Peek, P-E-E-K, if you're looking for her online. Liz, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I certainly do appreciate it. Hey, it's been terrific joining you. Thanks for having me. We'll get your calls coming up. You can join us right now at 866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Joe Kelly. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We are in uncharted territory. And make no mistake, our adversaries around the world are watching. Republicans are defending coup plotters. January 6th last year was a gift to them because they know something we need to remember. America is only as strong as our unity and our democracy allows us to be. Mm, Isn't it good to hear Hillary Clinton again on the radio? No, what's that? <laughs> you can join me at 866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Hillary Clinton, uh, last night, speaking to some uh, Democratic fundraisers uh, in New York. Uh, she really is the gift that keeps on giving. And I don't know about you, but if she decides for whatever reason to throw her hat into the ring and maybe challenge Joe Biden or something along those lines, uh, I think that's going to be great for the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party w- would uh, would would absolutely uh, just eat her lunch. I mean, just take her to town because we've already figured out Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is a is a known quantity. Uh, the thing that threw everybody off about Barack Obama was nobody knew. There was no history there. We didn't know anything about Barack Obama. We know everything that there is to know about Hillary Clinton. By the way, I got to thank Brian Kilmeade, not just because uh, I'm, I'm filling in for Brian today, but I got to thank Brian Kilmeade because I got a question right on Jeopardy last night because of Brian Kilmeade. The category was Abraham Lincoln. As you might imagine, and one of the one of the clues in Jeopardy last night was the the African American that Abraham Lincoln met with to discuss the condition of the of the uh, the, the black troops there. And I said, "Ah, it's Frederick Douglass. I know this one." So thank you, BK, uh, for for helping me get a clue right on Jeopardy last night. All right, eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Let's go to John who is listening on uh, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, John, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Uh, The United States has a moral obligation to send troops that protect the Ukraine. I say that because in 91, when Ukraine gained its independence, they had about a third of the Soviet Union's nuclear weapons. They were the principal design and manufacturer for those weapons. So they had about 2,000 nuclear weapons. We in the United States 
uh, suggested and insisted they give up those weapons. And for that uh, activity in 94, there was a treaty signed where we would protect them if they gave them up. If now, and we pledge to protect their integrity as a country. And, and, so and to, 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 to what end, though? And, and, and I don't think people disagree with you, John, but to what end? Are you talking about a full-on land war to send as many U.S. troops into Ukraine as necessary to protect them? I mean, where does it end? Uh, to get their nuclear weapons was hailed as a tremendous nuclear proliferation success. Right. I'm, not dis- proliferation. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I mean, but how far do you take it? Absolutely. Send troops in there and send the military in. We promise to defend their territorial integrity. But if that promise doesn't mean anything, why should any other country in the world forego nuclear weapons and say, well, the United States will protect me? Well, I think I I think we've just recently learned that lesson in Afghanistan, haven't we? The way we left Afghanistan. I mean, did we did we leave that country in a better condition than than we arrived at that country? Did we leave that country uh, ready to to manage and and control themselves without outside influence? I mean, it's not it's not it's not that we've not broken our obligations before. But uh, increasingly, why should any country believe us? That's exactly right. That's You're exactly right. The way we left Afghanistan is exactly right. Why would any country ever believe us again? Uh, certainly, that's got to be sending a message to, to China, to Taiwan. I mean, they've all got to be concerned about that, right? And the same thing with Ukraine. If the nuclear weapons, you know, right now, Ukraine realizes, and they realized at the time, that foregoing nuclear weapons is probably a dumb idea. John, thank you so much. I'm so glad you called. I appreciate you listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. You know, we got to 85 degrees yesterday in Orlando, Florida. I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade, and we're coming to you from the Florida Freedom Zone here under the the government, uh, governance of uh, Ron DeSantis. Of course, we have enjoyed uh, great freedoms here during the pandemic. In fact, uh, the governor pointed out yesterday that we had our best year ever when it comes to domestic travel. We had 118 million Americans visited Florida, the highest number of domestic travelers in the history of the state. Uh, So Florida is open for business and has been open for business. And I got to tell you, I've I've traveled only a little bit during the pandemic. Right. We're not supposed to be traveling a whole lot. Uh, But in traveling during the pandemic, I'm I'm startled when I see other states and, and how they're handling the pandemic when it comes to face masks and all the other mandates and, and mostly the blue states, of course, uh, because here in Florida, th- there has been very long stretches under which it seems like we don't have a pandemic. And and yes, we'll still go out sometimes and I'll still see people wearing their face masks and, uh, uh, you know, trying to keep their distance and all. I still see a lot of knuckle bumping and elbow bumping and that kind of stuff. Uh, not as much shaking hands and hugging. I get that. Uh, but otherwise, it really does seem as if it's business as usual here in Florida, which I, I again, of any state I could be living in during a pandemic, thank God that I am living in the great state of
state of Florida. You can join me here on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. You can get details, of course, at briankilmeadeshow.com. I'm Joe Kelly, and let's get to the phones here. We've got a lot of people that want to talk. We'll start off with Bruce, who's uh, tuning in on the Fox app in New Jersey. Bruce, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Uh, just to give you a compliment, I'm doing a real good show today. It's really Thanks, interesting. You're keeping it flowing along real good. And I more or less have like a statement and with the mask and all that. And what I think what they're going to do is because Governor Murphy said the masks are coming off, not because he said you could take them off, but he goes, we're waiting until March. Why mm. not? If we could take them off, take them off right now. What I say is going to happen is President Biden in his State of the Union, he's going to announce we finally beat this thing. Science lines up with everything. And as of tonight, I'm announcing that masks could come off in schools and all over the country as of now. And that's what I guarantee you he does. You know, that's interesting. And that certainly would spice up a what would be an otherwise boring State of the Union address. And by the way, I'll say that that any State of the Union address is generally going to be boring. I mean, they're all pomp and circumstance. They're all for show. And there's there's very little substance that usually comes out of the State of the Union addresses. Uh, but I, I find it interesting, Bruce, and, and the only thing that would give me reason to pause and say maybe not is that the government is still ramping up the mask distribution scheme that we have going on right now that we're, you know, we're sending people masks and we're sending masks to drugstores. And now they're even the Biden. I was just reading yesterday. The Biden administration was working on a on a strategy to make sure that children, the, the, the children as young as five who can't get the vaccine can still get face masks. So they're still ramping up production of face masks doesn't mean they can't change their mind by March 1st at the State of the Union, though. But I just think they're doing that just to show they're doing something and all that. And whose money they're spending doing all that? It's not their money. It's well, our yeah. money sending all those masks out and all that kind of stuff. But I just think that's what's going to happen. And uh, in the Ukraine, I really think uh, we can't do much. But I mean, with the one gentleman saying that it will lead to a nuclear war, well, Putin doesn't want a nuclear war no. either. I mean, if yeah, it could wipe no. us out, it could wipe him out. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think he was getting at that we would get to a nuclear war. I think his concern was that we would be protecting them because they gave up their nukes. Bruce, thank you so much. And, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the government ramping up these these programs of the mask distribution, I mean, did anybody order your quote unquote free covid test? Uh, we spent something along the lines of $36 million uh, for those free COVID tests that everybody was able to go online and order. And, of course, if you flip the box over, you'll find that they're all made in China, which just just on on face value alone hurts. It hurts to think that we're in this economy that we're in right now, that, that we are so gacked up on supply line issues and production issues, and with no matter which way it got here, the the virus, the coronavirus, whether it came deliberately uh, through a lab that was released uh, deliberately uh, into the populace, or if it was totally an accidental, we know that it came from China. I don't think there's 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 no discussion, no debate, no dispute on this. So it just hurts. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't pass the smell test that our so-called free COVID swabs that we're getting from the government uh, are all made in China. That, 
how is that not problematic? You know, with the U.S., what is it called, the, the Production Act, where the United States can commandeer production lines here in the United States? It, it just seems that giving that money to China uh, for the production of the test kits and probably for the face masks uh, is, uh, well, it just sucks, honestly. Let's go to Stuart, who's listening in uh, Virginia. Stuart, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, I just wanted to call and comment on uh, the Ukrainian situation and uh, kind of have a 180-degree opposite reaction. Uh, this is some time for some Churchillian diplomacy, okay? The, 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 the uh, geopolitical reality is we cannot do anything for the Ukrainians, okay? The eastern Ukrainians are primarily Russian. The western Ukrainians are basically second-class Nazis, although I wouldn't want to have had to have chosen between Stalin and Hitler. But the fact of the matter is we need to go uh, to Putin and go, okay, what can you give me for this? You know, we don't have to throw Americans in the front of everything that happens in the world, but leadership to leadership, all right? Understand right, your but interest. Do, do we have uh, the leadership we, in place, though, Stuart? Do we, do we have the leadership in place? I mean, do, if you say we need a Churchill, is Biden a Churchill? Well, no, no, no. And, and I seriously doubt the, the uh, uh, Biden's individual uh, capacity for negotiating this kind yeah. of deal. But what I'm saying is people talk about you know, 3,000 Americans. What's the point of that? Well, it's called a trip, a trip line. We've done it before. OK, no, they're not going to stop the steamroller, but it's like, oh, kill an American. Things change. Right. Stop all of that nonsense. You try to deal with Putin on his on his. All they're going to want is a land bridge to the Crimea along the Sea of Azov. OK. Who cares? Deal with them. Give them something for that. What's the point of having a NATO if it doesn't matter whether you're in the team or off the team? We're, we're going we're to go to the mat for you anyway. That's why you have a NATO, and they're not in it, okay? And I just think it's, you know, Americans always want to try to, what, quote, unquote, do the right thing internationally. Well, the right thing right here is to look out for America, make a deal with Putin so that he'll at least maybe lean more toward us than the Chai Coms. I think That's you're on to something there. Get out of this. Thank you, Stuart. Glad you called. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yes, uh, James Kelly, it's called? You- uh, Joe, yeah, go ahead. Joe, Joe, right, yeah. Listen, uh, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about what Vladimir Putin wants to do because, you know, I've been talking to colleagues of mine here in the New York uh, metropolitan area, and they say that he's kind of like an old-school type of uh, gangster that has no ability or power to uh, conduct some sort of uh, major invasion that would disrupt uh, the operations of all, uh, our governments and in, involve us in a political turmoil situation. I'm sorry. You're, 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 hey, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying that your friends are saying that Putin isn't that guy? Yeah, he's, he has no power to create a, a large-scale uh, problem worldwide, that he's just uh, a bluffer. But I'm concerned that based on how the troop buildup is going in, and how our president, Joe Biden, is uh, reinforcing, he's already sent the uh, 82nd Airborne, that we're going to have to deal with a situation where maybe we are going to go into a similar conflict like we did with uh, al-Qaeda and uh, ISIS and uh, Saddam Hussein and Desert Storm. I'm I'm very concerned that Putin is uh, not dealing uh, his cards right. He's not talking to United Nations about his issues. He's dodging certain uh, problems because he seems 
to believe that President Biden is some sort some sort of uh, uh, scandal ridden uh, president that is very old. He's a congressional. Right, for- Frank, I, I feel like you need to expand your friend base just a little bit because I don't think there is a whole lot of people that doubt whether or not Vladimir Putin could or would do it. It's simply a matter of whether or not he will do it. I mean, he's shown. Uh, you know, believe believe a man when he tells you who he is, and and he has already shown us who he is. He's already annexed the the Crimea. I mean, we we know what he is capable of. Uh, he is certainly capable of of uh, causing great deal of trouble along the border with Ukraine, including and not limited to invading Ukraine. Well, you know, I think that uh, if we are brought into a conflict. Uh, uh, over there, I think uh, the cause is that either England and Canada were not cooperative with our country because they actually say that they don't want to get involved. Their, uh, Canada is a conscientious objecting country that only provides troops when they need that. Their economic needs need to be met. And I don't want to be insultive, but in, the fact is that our, our service people have lost many, many lives over the years in these types of conflicts that go on for years and years, and we really don't need another one of this nature. Thank you, Frank. I'm glad you called. You can join us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly. We'll get more of your phone calls coming up straight ahead. Stay with us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The potential future requirement for an additional boost or a fourth shot for mRNA or a third shot for J&J is being very carefully monitored in real time. And recommendations, if needed, will be updated according to the data as it evolves. The the voice of Dr. Anthony Fauci there, of course. Uh, my name is Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, you can find out more details. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. You can join me at 866-408-7669. I honestly don't know how we are still taking marching orders from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, it, it, the American public has lost faith in the American healthcare system. I mean, if that is not one massive takeaway from this global pandemic is that we just don't trust. I mean, it's not even about trusting our political leaders. I mean, our bureaucrats trusting people from the CDC. We're supposed to have faith in the CDC and the FDA. These are agencies that are that are supposed to garner immense trust with the American people. And, and now when you hear Fauci's voice, who is supposed to be the, the preeminent expert on infectious diseases in the United States, when you hear his voice, how many, how many of us are rolling our eyes thinking, I don't know if I believe him or not. I don't know if I trust him or not. You can join me with your thoughts. 866-408-7669. In the meantime, let's talk about Ukraine. Rita is in Spring Hill, Florida, listening to WXJB. Hey, Rita. Hey, Joe. Hi. Um, Well, first of all, I just want to know why our government is so concerned about another country when we're not even protecting our own country. So you're worried about the Ukrainian border, but not our own border. The government is. Biden is. 
Right. So we're pretending like there's not a problem at our at our border while we are uh, justifiably concerned about the sovereign borders of a sovereign nation. Uh, but we're doing nothing about our border. I, I had seen uh, exactly right. I had seen when a, both my grandparents, both sets came from other countries here in, in America, the legal way, the legal way. Sure. And our own government says, oh, there's laws on the books, but we're going dis- to discard those logs, law, laws on the books, and we're just going to let people flood into our country, and we're going to put them on planes where you and I can't fly unless we have vaccination proof. And then they're going to fly them here, there, and everywhere, and, and, and no proof of vaccination. Rita, I got to tell you, the biggest disappointment about what you have just described is is not so much the function of our government, but the function of our media, uh, and and the legacy media outside of of networks like Fox News that have just abandoned any kind of coverage of what is taking place at the southwest border. I personally have lost family members who no longer speak with me because of my views. And I think I, I'm not very well educated, maybe, but I have common sense. Well, and common sense rules. OK, I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to break it down. I'm going to get I'm going to get real with you here, Rita. Don't don't lose family members over this stuff. OK, family is important. They disowned me. <laughs> well, they- I. All right, Rita. I'm, I, I I hate to hear that. I, I would like to think that our families, and this is where I think you know things like this pandemic are going to have a net positive effect. I hope. I hope that in the aftermath of this pandemic, we realize that our families are important, and that we realize that that maybe maybe politics. Uh, the, you know, we don't trust it as much as we thought we we once did. I mean, our faith in our government, our faith in our bureaucrats is, has just never been lower. Rita, thank you so much for calling. Let's go to Chris real quick in Michigan. Chris, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, how are you today? Good. Yeah, so in my opinion, I mean, I think the United States, they're basically the Karens of the international community. Ooh. Um, you know, we... We tell people that they can't do this and they can't do that. All the while, we're doing the exact same thing. Uh, we've got military bases all over the world. We've got troop deployments everywhere. Uh, but here's Russia moving troops around in its own country. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you know, we shouldn't have a discussion. We shouldn't have a little bit of a talk about it. Uh, but until they actually go and buy, do some violation, you know, we're not the thought police here. You know, you can't convict people for their intentions. Right, but 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 Chris, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait until the the. Well, I'm so bad at cliches. Uh, you don't want to wait until the 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 barn door has closed on the fire. I don't. You don't want to wait until it's too late to do something about it. Yeah, you do. Let me tell you why. Because you cannot give another people freedom you cannot def- i mean no but it's easier it's easier to, to decide. it's easier to stop russia from going into ukraine than it would be to get russia out of ukraine don't you think uh in what way I mean, well, if, 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 if we were to Ukraine, if we were to negotiate some sort of terms with Vladimir Putin that that would keep him from invading Russia, uh, excuse me, invading Ukraine. I mean, that would be an easier uh, act of diplomacy than once he has invaded Ukraine, us trying to get him out. OK, you're you're a. 
assuming that you're inside Vladimir Putin's head, Putin's head and that you know that he has intentions of absolutely uh, invading Ukraine. You don't know that for sure. Nobody you're right. No, you're right. You're sure. right. You're right. You're and, right. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 this... these, and, and I believe <clears throat> I believe that a lot of this is just noise. It's like Denzel said in Training Day. You know, I read the news for entertainment, but it's really just like bedtime stories for little kids. It's not really what's happening. You know, just like the last caller said. Well, and Chris, you know, and, and Chris, thank you so much for your call. And it, but, I, but I go back to, again, like you said with the last caller, we're talking about trust and whether or not we have faith. And you said, uh, you know, you, you said that they haven't moved in to, to Ukraine. You know, but we have to have faith in our government leaders, which, frankly, at this moment, we just don't have. We don't have faith in President Biden. We don't have faith in Fauci. We don't, certainly don't have faith in Vladimir Putin. I'm Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I've been really encouraged by something about this pandemic, and that is the balance between work and life. I have been encouraged watching as people have realized that life should not be all about work. It shouldn't all be be about the the, the you know pursuing. Uh, financial goals. I mean, there should be other goals in life, other priorities in life. Uh, and I think the work-life balance has really been helped so greatly during this pandemic, uh, as odd as that may sound, but because so many people have been working from home and kind of reintroducing themselves to their families and thinking of different ways to do things, uh, and, and necessity is the mother of invention, and we've come up with all kinds of new ways to get work done, and that is what we're going to talk about here for this segment on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join me at 866-408-7669. I asked Gene Marks to join me. Gene is with the Marks Group. It's a small business consulting firm. You'll find him at Gene Marks. He's also a CPA. Gene, thank you for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe, thank you very much for having me on. I'm so interested to see what work is going to look like in the years ahead. And, you know, in the beginning days of the pandemic, it was two weeks to flatten the curve. We all kind of thought we'd go home for a couple of weeks and then we'd all get our lives back and everything would go back to normal. Now, two years later, we're still trying to figure out what that's going to look like. As you advise <laughs> clients and, and workplaces, I mean, what is that going to look like? Well, first of all, can we, you and I just admit that uh, the millennials were right all along? I mean, we have about, we have about 600 clients in our business. Um, most of like the average small and mid-sized business owner is over the age of 50 in this country, you know? And before the pandemic, it was the millennial generation that was saying, we should be working more from home. We need more independence. We need more flexibility. And, you know, most business owners were like, nah, that's not, you know, keep coming to the office. It's not something we're interested in doing. Then the pandemic hits, everybody goes home. And like you said earlier, what do you know? The work manages to get done and, and it was secure and it was good. And so, that generation was right, and that is a permanent change in the way workplaces are going to be. Although I will tell you one thing, it is not going to be as extreme as a lot of people are expecting. And evidence of that is some of the largest tech firms. I mean, Facebook just signed its largest lease in its history in London for square footage. Google has been leasing. I think they signed like a billion-dollar lease in New York City uh, just recently as well. Some of the largest tech firms themselves are snapping up office space 
and you think like, oh, we're going to, you know, I thought everybody was going to be working from home, but no, it's not going to be like that in the future. It's going to be more of a hybrid and the big brands, the big companies, they know that. And that's going to impact how employees are going to be employed wherever they are. I, and, and you are so right about the millennials, and a lot of people chalk that up as as, as they're being lazy, they're undisciplined, uh, but really they they were onto something with with realizing that life should not be all about work. And I think you know, for a lot of us, we got that from our dad's generation and from grandpa's generation. But you know, with with all of the advancement in technology, we were promised. I remember the promises, Gene. We were promised that life would get easier, but it's not. It's getting harder. It's getting more complicated. Everything is more complicated than it used to be. Uh, and and the notion of having a little bit of time at home and finding a balance with your life outside of work right. uh, is just, to me, going to be the long-lasting benefit from the pandemic. It's true. And, Joe, you know, listen, the, the word you – know, we've heard all the buzzwords about working from home and working from anywhere and the four-day work week, which is another – thing we can talk about because people are seriously looking into that it really comes down to one thing it's flexibility you know and you know listen you know we should be grateful for the technology and the cloud-based applications that are available right now because i can hire people to do services for my company anywhere around the world and i can service clients anywhere around the country i don't care now my company has been completely virtual since 2005. I have 10 employees and about a dozen contractors. We don't have offices. I shut them down in 2005. Um, but just beware. I mean, as much as my overhead has been saved as a business owner, I think I run the world's most dysfunctional company because we, don't, we never see each other face to face. So we miss out on innovation and social. A lot of people like going into the office and being with their friends. It's their community. So, you know, it is, again, it's going to be a combination of things that business owners are going to be doing, but it's going to come down to flexibility. How can we just get the jobs done wherever that job is being done? And you want to do it in the office. You want to do it from Portland or it's up to you, wherever you want to be. Those are the smart employers that are going to be practicing those types of uh, your workplace goals. We are talking to Gene Marks with the Marks Group. You can follow him at Gene Marks. And uh, I know that here in Orlando, uh, I live in downtown. So I have watched with great interest these last two years as first it was the offices that closed. And again, everybody thought it was going to be temporary. So when the offices closed, the restaurants closed. Uh, when the restaurants closed, the bars closed. Uh, and then two weeks later, nothing Nothing reopened and everything stayed closed. And now we have so much vacant office space that is available. And when you mentioned that these tech companies are buying up office spaces, I wonder if some of that is just an investment strategy and not so much about a work strategy just because the prices are so affordable on commercial real estate these days. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is. It, it's certainly one of those things. I think it's a combination though, of a few things. I mean, number one is, is that these tech companies know. I mean, if you're working for Microsoft or Amazon or Google, I mean, so much is involved in face-to-face -face interactions. You can't innovate and do product development and make strategy entirely over a Zoom call. 
it's got to be whiteboarded. It's got to be, you know, human and together. So that is going to, you know, they know that, and they are going to be requiring their employees to be coming home. I don't know if you remember this, but like Yahoo, uh, when Marissa Meyer took over as CEO a number of years ago, they used to have a bunch of people working from home. She ended that practice and brought people in. IBM, about 10 years ago, before the pandemic, obviously, they were, you know, the, the, their whole build, business was built around remote working, um, and they required their employees to now check in a few days a week to their offices as well. So, you know, a lot of companies know that. And one, one other thing, listen, I deal with a lot of small and mid-sized companies, Joe. I live in, outside of Philadelphia. All through the pandemic, when you drive around the suburbs of Philadelphia and you look at the parking lots and the corporate centers and the industrial parks, yeah. they were filled with cars. I mean, the minute that the, you know, a smaller mid-sized company can get their employees back to the office, they got them back to the office. Now, the smarter ones, again, are giving more flexibility to their employees, but they also know that they need to be there. They need to see them. They need to talk to them. You know, that that's the way – business still gets done and it's going to be done for a while. So there's a middle ground. You got to know your employees and your demographics to figure out what works best for people. And Gene, invariably, anytime there is any sort of a beneficial human effort, there's going to be ne'er-do-wells on the other side who are mucking things up for all the rest of us. I have I've watched with interest as people have developed uh, devices that uh, <laughs> simulate that their keyboard and mouse is at work during the daytime. Uh, I've seen yeah. people putting up fake green screens, uh, giving the impression that they're actually at work or, or working when they're actually outside fishing or doing something else. Uh, you know, how, how do how do we keep these these ne'er do wells from screwing it up for the rest of us? <laughs> well, first of all, you have to have policies, you know, that, that, you know, because it's always the one or two people that kind of ruin it for the rest. But you still need to have written policies about the proper kind of behaviors that you need to have when you're not in the office, the expectations of those employees. Having said that, though, listen, it's people don't people don't realize when, when you sell something, you have you have reserves, there's businesses as reserves for bad debts. You have reserves for bad inventory. You know, you have reserves for, for projects that go over. There are always going to be those types of costs. And one cost you're going to have when somebody is working from home is there is going to be a small percentage of employees that are not going to be, you know, following the rules and taking advantage. So you have to make sure that you, you know, consider that that's just going to be a cost of doing that business. And after some time, listen, you know, I mean, those kinds of employees usually get found out after time. And as long as you've got a written policy in place and a procedure for following up on it, you can deal with that employee when ultimately that person is going to come to your attention. So, yes, and and, you know, and, and while there are some bad actors on the employment side, there are certainly going to be some bad actors on the employer side. I yeah. mean, I have, I have read some instances where some employers have taken to surprise visits to people's homes to see what their work situation is like at any given moment. And if that's not troublesome, I don't know what is. It's the opposite of what you should be doing. The whole point, we started off by talking about the millennials. I mean, come on, these are grown people now. You know, you have to give them the respect to do their jobs and, and the competence to get done what they're supposed to be getting done. Who's got the time to be checking up on them? You know, it's not, you know, you know a smart manager knows that there's much better ways that they should be spending their time. I will tell you one thing, Joe, one of the biggest issues that we need to be aware of with these employees working from home is security. 
I mean, ransomware attacks have gone up like over 300%. Oh, really? Tell me more about years. that. Yeah. Well, it's because, <laughs> frankly, frankly, you and I and a lot of people listening to this, don't take offense, we're all kind of dopes. You know, I mean, oh, no, we're I know. at home, <laughs> we're working from older – you're probably sharing your computer sometimes with your kids, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Our right? company knows full well what you're talking about. <laughs> That's yes. right. And so all these employees are working from home. They're not in a very secure environment. No. And the hackers, they know that. And they're looking around to take advantage of you know, those employees, and they can get access to corporate networks. So we've been, instru- we've been doing a lot of work advising clients about that, Joe. And um, some of the things you need to be doing, of course, is making sure your employees get trained so that they know when to recognize an attack you know, or a potential phishing email or something like that. Most importantly, your employees have to all be running the most recent operating systems on their device, you know, whether it's a Mac or you know, Windows or from Microsoft, because those have the most recent security protections in them. It's not a guarantee that you'll be protected, but if you're a hacker, there's so much low-hanging fruit. If you, if you hit you know, a, you know, a computer that's got the most recent version of an operating system running, you're going to tend to avoid it because it's just too much work for you. Well, and, and that and, way you can minimize. And ahead, Gene, lastly, I'll, I'll, I'll say to you that, that I think the, some of the unsung heroes – of this pandemic has been America's IT workforce uh, because getting everybody set up to work from home had to have been an IT nightmare. And even in my case, I mean, I broadcast from home and it's no simple measure setting up a radio station at a home, but I broadcast from home just like everybody else did for, I don't know, 280 some odd days or so. Uh, and, And it's the IT crews that have not only been working so hard to get everybody set up in their home offices, but as you say, to make sure that they are also secure. Can you imagine if this pandemic hit in 1980 yeah. or 1990? Yeah. I mean, I the, the impact that would have had on workers and, you know, cost of the pandemic. I mean, you know, I know that big tech has got its faults and I you know clearly understand that, but you are absolutely right. We should all have some appreciation of the times that we live in and, you know, what the, what big tech has done to really help us have a much more flexible and balanced, you know, work life. And I think that, you know, that's going to only improve as, as things go forward and hopefully become more secure. Gene, I just hope that my own IT crew was listening so that the next time I spill coffee into the keyboard, I'll get a little bit of, a little bit of credit for being such a, a high praise for them. Yeah, they're too busy to care. <laughs> Probably you know, we'll so. The next disaster. Hey, Gene, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for your expertise and for your time. Again, you can follow Gene Marks uh, with the Marks Group. It's at Gene Marks. Uh, Gene, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Enjoy sunny Florida. I'm jealous being yeah, here man. in Philadelphia. So 80, 85 degrees, and we got the uh, Daytona 500 me. coming up tomorrow. So we're very You're excited. You're killing me. Yep. Thank you, brother. You can join us right now. It's uh, 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back to the office? Are you going to go back into the cubicle farm? I'll tell you that our cubicles uh, are empty. We opened our office actually this week at the radio station, and, and most of the employees have thus far chosen to not come back to work. They're still working. I'm, I'm certain of that, but they're not coming back to the office quite in the way that maybe we had anticipated. Let us know what your plans are. 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. That's what Putin typically does. He asks for things and puts it out to the world so he can have his propaganda machine take over the narrative and put America on the defensive since we are in a position of weakened national security under this administration. So Putin is running two schemes, one publicly and two behind the doors, a disinformation scheme, which I believe he he's trying to convince the world that he's actually going to, the, to invade the Ukraine when I don't think he ever will. Well, we certainly hope that's going to be the case. That's uh, Cash Patel, Fox News at night, that Vladimir Putin is just doing this to, 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 to expel propaganda and doesn't actually plan to invade Ukraine. So he's just getting everybody all hot and bothered for nothing. That's awesome. 866-408-7669. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Uh, you can join us right now. Let's go to Christine, who's joining us in Virginia. Hey, Christine, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. I just wanted to make a comment about the truckers in Canada yep. and to ask a question. Last night on Fox, they said that Trudeau admired the Chinese Communist Party. And if that's the case, then the way he's treating the truckers is it, it's in line with what he admires, the authoritative na- nature of the Communist Party. And if that's the case... And if their media is on par with our media, as in keeping the public uninformed, what do we do? What, how do we help the Canadians, and how do we help ourselves? Well, I don't know to what extent we can help the Canadians, Christine, at this point, other than just giving them our our emotional support and financial support. But we don't even know if the financial support is going to get to them, thanks to you know GoFundMe and, and them withholding money and trying to decide whether or not that the truckers are a threat to Canada or if they are good citizens and servants of, of Canada. Uh, but uh, it's, it's going to be coming to the United States, Virginia. So we're going to be able to see – I'm sorry, Christine. We're going to be able to see what that's going to look like when, when it comes here to the United States. In fact, let's go to, let's go to Bubba who's listening in Orlando right now. Uh, Bubba, you're listening – oh, and I hear the WDBO, in fact. Hey, Bubba, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, what do you know, Joe? Good to talk <laughs> to you. Good to hear you in the mornings. Thank you. Welcome back, and thanks for carrying on for uh, 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 for uh, Brian. Yeah, man. Um, I hope his he and his family are okay. And oh yeah, they're great. Well. Yep, yep. Everybody's how good. Thank you. Twins? How are the twins? Twins are great. Uh, Black and Decker are my sixteen-year-old uh, twin sons, and they're doing yeah. wonderful. Uh, 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 Black had his wisdom teeth removed yesterday, so he's a little oh, sore, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Uh, did mom pitch in with the ice pack and the, <laughs> oh, massaging the, the neck and the poor back? And oh, my goodness, what a nightmare. <laughs> well, Bubba, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, uh, he, he had his wisdom teeth removed. I, I'm responsible for bringing ice cream I, I'm to make sure he's got his, uh, his ice cream, Bubba. So. Uh, everybody's everybody's good. So thank you very much for that. My name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, and you can uh, join me at 866-408-7669. You'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. That's going to be on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MySpace, Friendster, uh, Facebook, you name it. I'm there at Talk Radio Joe. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the 
Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Joe Kelly, in for Brian Kilmeade today. You can join me at 866-408-7669. Coming to you from the Florida Freedom Zone in Orlando, where it is expected to be 85 degrees later today. Compare that to the temperature where you live, and you'll see why so many people are coming to Florida. 118 million people traveled to Florida last year in the middle of the pandemic It was the highest number of domestic travelers in the history of our state. And to borrow a phrase uh, from Mark Kay, the League of Extraordinary Governors uh, with Governor Ron DeSantis at the helm, uh, it has been nice to live in Florida during this pandemic, a time in which nobody wanted to to live through a pandemic, but being able to do so in Florida uh, has certainly been uh, beneficial for, well, for those of us who live here. Uh, we have had deaths just like any other state has had. We've had our issues just like every other state has had. Uh, but all things uh, told, I think we've done a pretty good job. And I, um, I'm satisfied with the job that Governor DeSantis has done. Shannon Bream is joining us. She is a Fox News uh, chief legal correspondent, anchor of Fox News at night. Shannon, I'm so glad you're joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I saw last night, and by the way, I do want to get to, I'm really excited about talking about your book in just a couple of minutes, and I want to get to that in just a few minutes, but I saw that Hillary Clinton was back on stage last night. Uh, She is is blaming uh, a whole lot of people for a whole lot of problems, and she is blaming Fox News for the Durham report. And and I'm just blown away at the the absolute discounting of the Durham report by pretty much everybody but Fox News. Well, I think it's so interesting, this back and forth. So, of course, he had the filing earlier this week that uh, gave us some clues about some interesting allegations that he's making. Um, and you're right. Most people are ignoring them. But you got to remember, as we all do, the people who are ignoring this are people who won prizes, like top journalism prizes, for their reporting on the Trump-Russia uh, alleged collusion. So if there's something that uh, casts new light on that story or something that doesn't line up with their narrative, I guess I'm not surprised that they wouldn't want to report on it. But, you know, Sussman, Michael Sussman's legal team filed this brief saying you're trying to taint the jury pool and you're trying to inflame things. So interesting to me that Durham then filed this, you know, pleading yesterday, um, basically saying, listen, we can't um, control how people interpret this. This is part of the government's case. So, of course, we're going to file it. Um, so this is far from over, I have a feeling. Why is it that 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 people can just out of hand discount what Durham is saying? Well, you know, they say some of it's not new or that it's not accurate the way that it's being portrayed. And um, if, if that meets their best interests, you know, of course, if it's someone like Michael Sussman's legal team, they're going to say that. They've got to defend their client. But I think others are, um, you know, they want to minimize it because it doesn't line up with the reporting that they stuck with for a good two years. So they're not going to have an interest in interpreting it in a way that is negative for them. Um, and listen, we don't know everything. It, it, we have, you know, some details that are in the filing that for me answer. Uh, 
uh, a couple questions, but leave many more questions. So there's plenty of room for interpretation there, and I think that those who benefited from the other version uh, of how they wanted to see this go are not going to be interested in that version. What kind of credibility does Durham have? I mean, generally speaking, I mean, is 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 he someone that 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 has earned the right to be to be listened to? Well, of course. And when he was first appointed uh, and his name came up, we saw plenty of across-the-board praise for him, saying this is a guy who is well-respected, nonpartisan, he's very meticulous, um, he does things by the book. So early on, there was plenty of praise for him um, from all quarters. So I think for the most part that continues, um, but we saw how the Mueller report played out and people took sides on that one. Um, I think we see a lot of parallels this time with how people are reacting to. I mean, people still think think that there was Russian collusion with the election. Listen, they can go read the Mueller report um, and, you know, check out the details for themselves. I mean, he said, I can't find any conclusive evidence that that these allegations that were made uh, existed. I I don't have it uh, in my framework. Um, Certainly, he he raised questions about things that, um, you know, were, uh, you know, could be interpreted a couple of different ways. But the overall um, conclusion that there was no collusion that he found was clear. And if you don't like that, you can take it up with Robert Mueller, which, again, everybody was praising when he first was assigned to the case. We're talking to Shannon Bream, Fox News chief legal correspondent, anchor of Fox uh, News at night. And Shannon, what is what is next then for the Durham report? I mean, his work is clearly not finished. It's not. And it, and he has been very uh, meticulous, very quiet, very methodical about this. Once in a while, we get a tiny little rumbling of something that's going on. But for the most part, I think that he is living up to the reputation that we were told he had on the front end, which is he's going to follow every potential lead. He is going to um, not be a respecter of persons. He's going to follow the facts, and he's going to take the time he needs to do it. I mean, he is a seasoned investigative prosecutor, and so I think um, we're just on his timeline, whatever that is. And the absolute lack of leaks that, that have not come out of that organization is breathtaking in today's standards. It really is because you think about how everything around here in Washington, we think of it just being so many leaks. I mean, I cover the Supreme Court. That's one of the very tough places to get anything. But on Capitol Hill, once people are involved, there will be leaks. So for the special prosecutor to keep his team together, um, clearly a group of investigators that he trusts and they have been very uh, confidential through this whole thing. I think that that's been an enormous credit to them. Does Hillary Clinton have anything to worry about? I don't know. I I mean, I feel like she has very successfully been able to separate herself from a lot of the allegations out there. And sometimes if if it's a two or three disconnect, if there's a law firm involved that maybe she has had or her her campaign has had some connection to, um, there may be enough level of uh, distinction and separation. And and listen, a lot of the folks uh, parsing this one will say what was happening was legal, this access to this DNS information, um, the way that it was being used. It was legal. Uh, it may push the boundaries. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of folks say it's not going to touch her. You know, I saw some of the message boards on Reddit and everybody is once again uh, seemingly having fun chanting, lock her up, lock her up. Uh, but if, if that hasn't happened at this point, I don't I don't know how that's going to happen moving forward. She seems to be rather Teflon-y. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that is quite a stretch to think that um, that would ever happen. Um, will some things come out that are uh, unpleasant for her or for her team or someone connected to the campaign? I mean, that's all certainly possible. Uh, I think anybody who is looking forward to or rooting for her to go to jail is going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. We're talking to Shannon Bream, and I want to talk about your book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons on Faith from Nine Biblical Families. I uh, so I just to, to give you my perspective, I've been a, you know, check the box Christian my whole life. I was raised in the Catholic Church, but then I kind of drifted, went my own way and thought I was in charge, which was just a terrible mistake. Uh, I realized that, that, that I am not the, the, the master of any domain. Uh, and I, I came to God about three years ago and said, all right, I understand I have made some mistakes and, and I'm going to follow your path now. And I, I walk with Jesus now. And, and it's a, it's a big part of my life. And with this pandemic, you know, a lot of us have lost contact with other people and mm-hmm. with that human emotion, that human contact. And I, I think about, you know, the, the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak and lessons to be learned. There is so much to learn here about just human interaction and human contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the first book in the series, Women of the Bible Speak, that was out last year, I wrote that during the, you know, the first very frightening part of the um, pandemic when there was so much we didn't know and people were frightened and separated. And it was very comforting to me to look out over time these stories from the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Um, and we're doing that again, as you said, this time in the context of mothers and daughters. And some of the relationships that we have in this book aren't the biological mother and daughter, but spiritual mother and daughter or a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law and the ways that um, we can be encouragement and mentors for each other in a spiritual sense of spiritual motherhood and daughterhood. Because not everybody's going to be a mom. Uh, not everybody's a daughter. Sure. And so not everybody's going to have a daughter. So, But there are there are lessons that are um, just woven through there that translate to 2022. And, and I love what you said about kind of feeling you were away from God and coming back because we see that in many of these stories. And God's always there waiting. And listen, I make mistakes. I sin every day. Thank goodness for his mercy and forgiveness. And we see through these stories, like he's always working, even when we make mistakes, even when we get off track, because we all will. Um, he's still able to use it for good. I was, as I was getting dressed this morning, I, I almost put on my Iron Sharpens Irons uh, T-shirt. <laughs> uh, but then I just put on, you know, that's always my work choice is which T-shirt do I want to wear to work today? Since I'm on the radio, it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I almost wore my iron sharpens iron shirt. But I mean, it's, that that is so, you know, the, the, the notion that we make each other better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that idea that, um, you know, we can have accountability, we can have encouragement, all of those things. We need each other. We need community. I think that we were created that way. And we do see that through these relationships in the Bible. I mean, one of the my favorite pairings in the new book is Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, her cousin, who was much older, had wanted a child for decades and had not had those prayers answered. Then both of them at the same time have these miraculous pregnancies that were only through divine intervention. Elizabeth, much, much older than anybody would have ever thought, and Mary, much younger than she would have expected uh, at a time that she had not been with a man and the whole virgin birth. But the thing is that God gave them both that experience at the same time. So they were able to share it together and say, like, the rest of the world may not understand what's going on with us or believe our stories, but we have each other. We know we've had this divine intervention, and they could encourage each other. And Mary went to live with Elizabeth the first few months of her pregnancy, and um, I love that picture that God kind of gave them to each other for help in that that time when they needed it most. I'm st- 
I'm st- I've still got so much to learn in in reading the Bible, and I always get confused by the Marys. There are so many Marys. There are a lot of Marys. A lot of Marys in the Bible. I need like a there flow are. chart of all the Marys in the Bible. Exactly. All right, hey, Shannon Bream, we love you here in Orlando and in Florida. Come here anytime, please. I will. I'm born and raised in Sanford, so outstanding. That's good to hear. <laughs> all right, Shannon Bream, Thanks, Fox Joe. News chief legal correspondent, anchor of Fox News at night. Shannon, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. President's Day weekend at that. We got the Daytona 500 happening this weekend at the Daytona 500 uh, uh, in Daytona Beach. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Daytona 500, the origins of that, they literally raced their cars on Daytona Beach. The Sandy Beach was was the origin of the Daytona 500 race. Go on YouTube. You can find some of the old black and white film on YouTube from back in the day when they used to race on the beach. These days you can still drive on the beach. You just can't race on the beach. My name is Joe Kelly. We'll take your phone calls coming up straight ahead here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's 866-408-7669. You can go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We could get lucky because the trajectory right now is going way down. And it very well may be that if you take masks off the kids in the next week or so, it's going to keep going down. But you've really got to be careful. You know, you don't want to say it's an absolutely wrong decision. It's understandable why people want to take masks off the kids. But right now, given the level of activity that we have, it is risky. Dr. Anthony Fauci, our nation's uh, premier expert on uh, the coronavirus. By the way, speaking about our nation's premier experts on coronavirus, uh, we just got this in. The Surgeon General uh, has just announced that he has tested positive for COVID-19. Vivek Murthy uh, says that that his four-year-old daughter also had the virus and that his wife and five-year-old son were also positive for the virus. They all had mild symptoms. His daughter, he says, he's doing okay. Uh, she has an improving fever, he added. Uh, so get well soon to our Surgeon General Vivek Murthy uh, from his diagnosis of COVID-19. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join me at 866-408-7669. Let's go to Paul, who is listening in Wayne, New Jersey, on WABC. Hey, Paul, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, thank you for taking my call. You're doing a great job. Thanks, bud. I lived in Florida, so I, I know the feeling, but uh, don't rub it in, okay? Hey, I'm 85 in degrees today. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's a great state. Yeah, I wish I was back. I, I just want to, you know, you have, Fauci just aggravates me every time he, he, he makes a statement. But I just want to read something real quick. It takes me uh, 20 seconds. You know, you have Churchill McCarthy and Montgomery. These were some people who went out to the field to see what was actually happening on the war front, shaking hands with soldiers and civilians. But the biggest hit on Fauci is he sits in a throne in ivory tower distant from anyone. And then criticize the people that are in the trenches. Why is he an expert? All he does is mouth off what the World Health Organization says. 
Thank you, Paul. Listen, I I, 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 I I agree with you. I think you're I think you're right about that. I think the American people have lost faith in Anthony Fauci. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. And just as you've heard, uh, and I'm, it's just that we're not we're not covering new ground here. But uh, as Brian has pointed out numerous times, as Hannity has pointed out numerous times, I mean, what does Dr. Fauci do? What does he do when he's not on TV uh, talking uh, about the coronavirus? When is he actually in the trenches, as you say, uh, you know, working with people and getting stuff done? Let's go to Gainesville, Florida. KW is joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hello, KW. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call, Joe. Great show, great topics, great callers. Uh, you know, you talk about what's going on in Ukraine. Well, the president made his comments the other day in his speech, and he said that the, the people in Ukraine need to have their liberty and they need to have choice. And now at the same time he was doing that, he was later on or earlier, he was talking to the prime minister in Canada who never liked a dictator in Cuba he didn't love, and he, he told him to crack down on the protesters they were fighting for freedom from the vaccine mandates, the truckers up there. And, uh, you know, they speak out of both sides of their mouth. And both, uh, both sides of the aisle in, in our elites in politics never saw an a extended war they didn't love. So they're trying to push us that direction again. Uh, we, we've only been out of war for, what, six months? And they're pushing for another one? Oh, well, we still got and, people left in Afghanistan. Yes, yes. And, and they're pushing for another war when they didn't even finish the last one properly. Well, but so, I, 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 might, I might take a little issue with pushing for. I, I mean, do you, do you think that we, do you think the Biden administration is pushing for a war? Yes, I do. I think that there, uh, Hillary wanted to go to war with Russia. Wait, for, 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 for what reason? Why, why would the United States want to go to war with Russia? Well, well, you remember when Hillary was wanting to go after Russia when we were in Syria? And he, she kept pushing for a war with Russia. And that's what she wanted all along. And President Trump won the election, and we didn't go to war with Russia in Syria. But they want war because it's all about money. Follow the money, you know, military-industrial compacts, oil, and the control of Europe, and, and, and moving uh, bases in around Russia. There's a lot going on here, uh, KW, no doubt. Uh, thank you for your call from Gainesville. Let's go to North Carolina. James, I got about 45 seconds for you. James, go ahead. Uh, I just had a comment. You know, y'all were talking about the uh, stay-at-home workers and all that stuff? Yes. Well, I'm a truck driver, all right? So we have to use the dispatchers. They're doing these stay-at-home workers. I've got to listen to dogs barking in the background, oh, kids yeah. crying in the background. Yeah. got to listen to all that crap. And then half the time you call and you're trying – it takes 30 minutes to explain i got a flat tire because they don't speak English. Oh, that's interesting. Well, all right, James, uh, thank you for your call. Thanks for the update on that. Uh, My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show, and we will continue with your phone calls coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. You can join me at 866-408-7669. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. My name is Joe Kelly in Orlando, Florida, filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. Uh, you can join me at 866-408-7669. And I'm, I'm, i am i got to tell you, I'm really excited because just as I went on the air here today, uh, at 9 o'clock in the East, uh, filling in for, for BK today, uh, we got word that Paul McCartney had booked Camping World Stadium 
for a live concert coming up May 28th in Orlando. Paul McCartney. Very excited, man. Paul McCartney. It holds like 60,000 at Camping World Stadium. I don't know how it's going to be arranged for the concert, if it's going to be in the round or at the end or whatever it's going to be. By the way, President Biden is expected to give an update on the situation with Ukraine. That'll be coming up uh, at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern. You'll be able to catch that, I'm sure, on Fox News a little bit later today. Uh, I want to welcome onto the show Danielle Hollander. Danielle, I'm excited to, to welcome you. She is the the Visit Orlando Chief Marketing Officer. And, uh, Danielle, this this is not a commercial for Orlando, though it may sound a bit like one because we've got so many great things to talk about with Orlando. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? And I'm equally as excited about Paul McCartney. I saw him last time in Orlando, and it was one of the best concerts. And it's amazing, the concert lineup that we have. Garth Brooks, Bad Bunny, you know, we've got Billy Joel. We've got some amazing concerts coming to Orlando. We really do. It's a destination. I mean, Orlando has long been, thanks to to Uncle Walt, uh, a destination location, but uh, never more so than now. And, uh, to, you know, speaking about Florida and, and broadcasting here in the Florida Freedom Zone, uh, I had mentioned earlier here on the Brian Kilmeade Show that last year, and these are the numbers that came to us from the state, and we're going to kind of boil it down to local numbers, but uh, 118 million Americans visited visited Florida, the highest number of domestic travelers in the history of our state. That, that, I mean, that takes me by surprise. And I, and I know how cool Florida is and how people wanted to get away from wherever it was that they were to, to come here to the sunshine and perhaps more at ease COVID restrictions. Uh, but that is a phenomenal achievement for the state of Florida to see such domestic travel. Absolutely. Um, You know, we're thrilled to hear those numbers. You know, obviously, everybody took kind of a hit in 2020. But I can tell you the domestic travel to Orlando for 2021 was was super strong. Um, We're anticipating that to continue. uh, And, you know, and we're happy to have some of our international travelers back. We had Mexico was really well, good for us. Um, our flights are now back from Brazil, from the U.K., all of those primary markets. So we are really, really pleased with the way things are going, and we're recovering much faster than anybody anticipated. And what about the conventions? I mean, there's a lot of cities that rely on conventions. Uh, Orlando is, is certainly one of them. I mean, Las Vegas is reliant uh, in large part on conventions. Uh, a lot of major cities have massive convention programs. How How is Orlando doing when it comes to ramping back up with the, the garden variety conventions and conventioneers that we uh, once saw pretty regularly? Well, I can tell you, you know, we, one of the things about the Orlando community is everybody works so well together. And between the convention center getting their GBAC certification, the the airport, the hotels working together, the transportation companies, you know, Orlando Health and our other healthcare providers working with our sales teams, Orlando's actually been the leader in face-to-face meetings. We've had over 200 live events that have occurred since July of 2020. So we have actually led the industry back. Um, We had another 100 citywide conventions that are booked for 2022. And we've recently had the Professional Golf Association show. Last week, we had home builders and National Kitchen and Bath. um, And they're reporting, you know, great numbers. Over 60,000 people were there. So 
this has been something that the teams and the community have worked really hard to ensure and have those safety protocols that our meeting planners and the delegates were looking for. And we've really been that leader. Um, so I'm real proud of, of the whole community um, for bringing that back. And, and, you know, if all the, all, Tides, the all ships and tides rise. Oh yeah, you know we need to have all of that back um, to can keep to keep the success. But we are um, outperforming um, our peers in that area, and you know working just as hard with the meeting planners to make sure that we are able to accommodate whether it's at the convention center or in our hotels when they had to rebook. Um, so it's it's well, looking. One, you know, we're of, cautiously optimistic. One of the big events, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, coming up very soon is going to be the CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, and that is that is going to be you know fully attended. I would imagine. Yeah, that's in one of the hotels coming up. Um, it was here last year, so that will be coming up um, shortly. And, and then, you know, we have all you know we have all types of conventions. You know, we're gonna we've got hair shows. We have. Common, you know, with MegaCon, we've got the tons of different industries that um, choose to to bring there, whether it's their corporate groups or their association groups here to Orlando. We are so synonymous, though, with our theme parks. Uh, address how the theme parks have played a part in in leading this discussion and getting people back to the their comfort zone of being out amongst other people and milling about and and engaging with others and and enjoying our theme parks. Yeah, as a theme park capital of the world, um of which we are, you know, that was one of the key things and all of the parks work together with the CDC, with the health officials to ensure that they were opening um back up in a responsible way. So that the visitors, you know, we've always, visitor safety has always been number one in hospitality here in Orlando. So it was very critical that as we brought visitors back, we brought them back in in a safe way and in a way that they were comfortable experiencing um, the destination. So they had limited capacity. They had different safety protocols. um, You know, mass requirements, you know, depending on where we were in in the various surges. So that has really helped people feel comfortable about coming back. And, you know, and, and now everybody can come back and experience all the new things. And in fact, we have a new theme park opening next week, um, Peppa Pig theme park. So it'll be the first one here in the U.S. Um, so that will add to our great lineup of of theme parks and with Disney celebrating their 50th anniversary and the new Jurassic World Velocicoaster Universal and I just rode new Icebreaker at mm, SeaWorld. SeaWorld, yeah. There's tons of um, new things to experience uh, at you know at our theme parks and also outside of our theme parks. Now there are a lot of people who make their way to Orlando via cruise ships through Port Canaveral, and at the beginning of the pandemic, as you well know, uh, the CDC put the kibosh on on cruise ships. We're we're getting back into the cruise ships these days. Uh, but but touch on that, if you will, and, and what kind of an effect that has. Yeah, we're about 45 minutes from Port Canaveral, which is one of the, the largest cruise ports and has a variety of cruise ships that, that sail in and out of the port. And one of the things that a lot of the cruise goers like to do is to come over and combine 
their crews with a land stay over in Orlando. So, yes, when when that was all shut down, you know, it certainly did have an impact of, of going back and forth. You know, we have some wonderful things over on the coast. Our beaches are amazing. You can watch the, the shuttle launches and the um, or the space launches. So, you know, now that they're coming back, we will see those folks coming back and, and doing that land and sea. But that's one of the great things about Orlando being centrally located. You can combine your trip with whether you want to go kayaking, whether you want to be out on all of our lakes, all of our, you know, you want to go paddle boarding. But there's so many options in every direction that you can, you know, come to Orlando and then experience things that surround the destination as well. I'll tell you, one of the coolest experiences that I have had uh, in Florida was was being at the beach one time and, and visiting some friends. And as I was making my way back, I drove past the port, Port Canaveral, and there on one of the barges was the was one of the Stage 1 boosters for the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, for those that don't know, I mean, our Space Coast is right next to Port Canaveral. Uh, Cape Canaveral is next to Port Canaveral. And when they launch those SpaceX Falcon 9s and land the boosters on a barge, they barge them in to Port Canaveral. And you can literally just sit there and watch with with awe as they offload these massive booster rockets and prepare them for launch once again. Yeah, it has been amazing what's been going on, you know, over on the Space Coast and with all the rocket launches. I'm very fortunate. I can go out in my backyard as many people can hear and watch those launches and have done that many times, you know, whether it's um, from your house, from your, if you're visiting from your hotel room, but it is quite an awesome site and and going over and being close to that. It's, it's an amazing experience. It really is. And I don't know if y'all know this, but like like you could literally stand in like uh, a main street USA at magic kingdom. And if it's a sunny day, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to see the contrail of the launch, but you, but you could, you know, theoretically be standing somewhere watching fireworks from the magic kingdom while at the same time looking to the East and seeing a Falcon nine launching off in the distance. I mean, it's, it is an amazing place to call home. It is. And, you know, between that, the wildlife here, you know, the, the lakes and really the quaint towns. I mean, we, we talk about all of our amazing attractions and it would take you over 100 days to see everything in Orlando. But that is really balanced with a lot of local neighborhoods, a lot of public art. We have amazing dining. In fact, I'm excited. We're going to have Michelin Florida Guide coming out this year, which is going to include Orlando restaurants. Um, So that really is a testament to what has happened with our culinary, um, you know, culinary prowess. And that is part of all the influence. We get visitors from all over the world. Um, We have people from all over the world that live here and call, you know, Orlando home. And that has really found its way into our culture and into our food. And so we're so excited that we're going to be recognized um, through the Michelin program later on this year. It is pretty cool. Danielle Hollander, she is the chief marketing officer with Visit Orlando. You can get details. Just go to visitorlando.com. Danielle, it's a pleasure talking to you. Have a great weekend. It's a holiday weekend. And, of course, we got the Daytona 500 on Sunday. So still more things to do this weekend. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, and uh, have a great weekend as well. Thanks, Danielle. That is, uh, again, uh-huh. Danielle Hollander with Visit Orlando. You can go to visitorlando.com for more. Uh, our state is wide open. We would love to have you, though I can tell you right now that I've got like a million Floridians yelling at me to tell to, to tell me to stop telling other people to come to Florida, right? We've, we've got enough people here. Stop. Particularly if, you know, if you're fleeing a blue state, uh, and keep in mind that, that Florida – uh, is not the reddest of red states. We're we're purplish. Uh, we certainly have our our Democrat centers uh, here in Florida. Uh, but but uh, if you're if you're coming here, leave leave your blue state politics at the border, if you would please. Thank you. Uh, it is uh, it's eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. We'll continue with your calls next. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So I was reading a, a radio trade magazine during the break there, and I, I was just reading this uh, about Joe Rogan and Spotify. So uh, Joe Rogan, as you know, is, is get paid $100 million by Spotify to take his podcast, and, and you know he took it over to Spotify a year or so ago. Uh, but the New York Times did a piece and says that, that the reports that he was getting $100 million are not accurate. And I thought, oh, yeah, because that's a lot of money. I mean, $100 million, there's no way he's getting paid $100 million for a podcast. So the New York Times says, no, it's not 100 million. It's $200 million. That is what the contract was, Joe Rogan and Spotify. $200 million. Wow, that is that is a phenomenal achievement. What an amazing amount of money for a podcast. Uh, congratulations to him. He's not going to be leaving there anytime soon. And evidently, it's a th- he's got three and a half years left on the deal, and uh, there's options for more after that as well. All right, let's go to Jeff, who's listening in St. Louis. Jeff, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Hey, Joe, just, you know, I don't know why we find it surprising. The Democrats... Uh, you know, they've had a systematic – they don't care about children. Um, the mask have obviously caused psychological, emotional, uh, obviously educational. I'm a teacher. I've taught for 30 years. I teach at the college level. Even at the college level, it, imp- it impairs education and communication. But, you know, it's not surprising. They're consistent. They're mandating these vaccines for children with little or no upside with likely negative consequences. But, but do, you, do you think that they really don't care about children, Jeff, or oh, that they're, they, or, or they, that they, they're they, misguided in, in what they're doing? Well, Joe, if you can look at people and say, you know what, a six-year-old should be uh, mutilated on the altar of transgenderism, are you telling me you wow, care that about children? That, that escalated so quickly. Uh, no, I understand, I understand what you're saying, uh, but I, I just don't know that liberals wake up in the morning thinking, how can we harm children? I mean, I think, I think they just might be misguided in how they do that. Uh, let's go to Larry in Michigan. Hey, Larry, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Very good. How are you? Good. Um, I just had a point that I believe is a little bit counter to uh, yourself and your guest from the, I believe it was the Marx group, 
uh, about thanking the millennials for how they have changed the work uh, ethic, I guess, or the work pattern in the United States. Sure. And I don't, I don't um, think just just to be clear for anybody who didn't hear it, I don't know that he was thanking the millennials per se, as he was saying that the millennials were right uh, in in that working from home was was going to be a thing. But I, it wasn't the millennials who did it. It was the coronavirus that did it. But, but, but please go but ahead. The, the, corona, the coronavirus uh, forced it. basically. Correct. Yes. Right. But uh, um, and I guess maybe uh, being an elder white man, I'm probably one of the enemies of the millennials at this point in time because we caused all problems in the country. But uh, if we do not get people to not work at home, we're not going to have that chair to sit on, the desk that they sit at, the computer that they're working on, the roads that they take to the restaurant, the food that's being delivered to them, the house that keeps them warm. Uh, we need people in the trades. We need people that are willing to get out of their house and work. Now, well, certainly there know, are I, there are fields under which that is going to be a requirement. It's not even open for discussion in certain fields. But are there not other fields that are perfectly suited for working from home? Oh, absolutely. There is certain fields that are, and and for the most part, they get very well paid for doing their work from home. But the point is, is that most of them want to work from home, and we can't, we we have to have a difference in that work. There there needs to be people that that get out and do what needs to be done for the infrastructure, and and everything else. There's a shortage in all trades. In There's, all, there uh, certainly are, Larry. You're, you are right about that. We've got a workplace shortage uh, that is widespread. Larry, thank you so much for your call. Thanks uh, to, to Pete and Allison and Eric and everybody for uh, putting the show together. We, I, I greatly appreciate it. I'm Jill Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.